0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. Rather shocking news in the case of the four slain University of Idaho students. The accused suspect, Brian Koberger, News Nation, just reported that Koberger's parents have been called to testify before an investigative grand jury in Pennsylvania about a case involving a woman who went missing in May of 2022 and whose body was just discovered about a month ago. The Koberger family home is in the same county, Monroe County, where the woman who disappeared lived. Michael and Marianne Koberger will appear in front of that grand jury in connection to 45-year-old Dana Smithers, Disappearance on May 28th of 2022. Smithers was last seen in ring camera footage at around 11pm on the day she went missing. Her remains were uncovered in a wooded area in Stroudsburg on April 27th, about 30 miles away from the Coburger's family home in Albrightsville. But a source is claiming that Brian Koberger's alibi proves that he likely wasn't involved in Smithers' disappearance, according to News Nation. Mr. Koberger, Michael Koberger, is expected to testify in court on Thursday, while Marianne Koberger has already given her testimony. The transcripts from the closed session may be transferred to Idaho, where Brian is expected to go on trial, on October 2nd. I'm gonna do a little more research on the Dana Smithers case because I'm finding this quite fascinating. I'm sure you guys are too. I also wanted to share a tidbit today about Dennis Rader. You know that Brian Koberger studied Dennis Rader the brutal serialist who went by BTK. Raider's daughter, Carrie, announced today on Surviving the Survivor that she just remembered that her father, when it was time for his arraignment, also decided to stand silent. Very interesting. Makes you wonder if Koberger knew about that If it had been discussed in his class with Dr. Catherine Ramsland, the class on extreme violence, did he take a note from Rader and decide to follow suit with the standing silent thing? What he managed to achieve with that was having Judge Judge, Judge John Judge, basically vocalize four times the words not guilty as he entered the pleas for Koberger for each one of those first-degree charges of blank, the big M. Carrie also shared her theory of how things went down at 1122 King Road. And after learning everything she can over the years about her father's crimes, his M.O., her father's life, she's basically developed pretty much of a criminal profiler mind. And here's what she said. She believes that... Maddie and Kaylee were sleeping in separate rooms that night, and she points to the fact that Kaylee's bed was still in her bedroom. It was still there. There was still bedding on the bed. She believes that Kaylee heard something going down in Maddie's room, and she left her room, letting the door lock behind her, which meant that Murphy was in her bedroom, which is where he was found, and she went over to Maddie to try to help her. And that is supported by the fact that apparently Kaylee was jabbed in the back and then thrown down on the bed. Carrie also believes that it's possible that Maddie grabbed that leather sheath, hugged on it, whether it was stuffed in his pants or in a pocket. She was likely the one who grabbed it which is why it ended up on the bed next to her. And Carrie also thinks it's likely that Maddie was the main target because the sheath was found right next to her. And so that would hint to the crime actually starting in Maddie's bedroom. Which We already knew that, but literally starting with Maddie, then perhaps Kaylee comes in. The only thing about that that doesn't jive with me is that I believe in the affidavit it said that Dylan heard Kaylee say, she thought, something to the effect of, there's someone in here. And I don't see how she would say that if she was in her bedroom, heard the commotion, came out, went into Maddie's room. Would she say in that moment to Maddie, there's someone in here? Or would she scream or would she yell? Would she scream what's going on? I think she would say something different, so I'm not quite sure about that part. Harry then went on to say that Koberger went downstairs, ran into Zana, who maybe had headphones on, maybe was looking at her phone, dealing with her DoorDash delivery. And so the perpetrator ran into Zana by mistake in this manner, And then Ethan perhaps heard the commotion and that's how he came to meet with the perpetrator and there ensued something of a struggle since he was a big guy, tall guy, strong guy by all accounts. And then whether or not the perpetrator saw Dylan Mortensen peeking out of the doorway and was just too tired and everything had sort of been chaotic and gone awry because it wasn't per the plan, decided I just need to get out of here. Or if he really didn't see her, some people say they don't think he saw her because if he had, why would he not have done what he did to the other four students? It doesn't make sense. I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I wanted to get the information out about that grand jury to you as soon as possible, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. I hope you're all doing great. Check out my shorts. I try to really jam-pack information into those 60 seconds so that they're worth your time. Let me know what you think, and I'll see you next time on Bed Crime Stories.